0: This is the daily tip presented by BetMGM. Now here's Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins. I was just looking at some of these stats uh, for the players who are contending for the best OPS in baseball. Of course, mm-hmm. it's Otani that has the best OPS, but it's wild to me that the Braves replaced Freddie Freeman with Matt Olson, who has like almost identical numbers to Freddie Freeman, and he's also younger. And cheaper, because I don't know if you remembered when the Braves got rid of Freddie Freeman. It was a big deal. I think a lot of people thought Freddie Freeman was going to be a brave for life. Then he went to the Dodgers. We know that he's from California, so like I think that was a good move for him as well. Got to play for a contender as well. But still, the fact that Matt Olsen is sitting at the second-best OPS in all of baseball, he has 107 RBI on the season, and the guy's hitting 274. Like, this is crazy. It's like they got the carbon copy of Freddie Freeman. It's wild to me.
1: And younger and cheaper, right? Like, I remember when it happened, like you said, people around baseball going, why would they do this? Why would they?" they knew exactly why they were doing it? Because they love locking up young players on affordable contracts relative to their production. And that's what the Braves line up. Their entire roster is littered with young guys whose production relative to their salary is through the roof. That's what's craziest about this. Like we always scream and yell about teams in baseball, Chelsea, and rightfully so who don't want to spend money, right? Like you've got your Mm -hmm. Royals and your pirates and your A's, the teams that don't spend any money and they pay for it all the time, right? Like they're lucky to get two or three uh, years of competitiveness within the same number of decades but then we also crush the teams that spend way too much right like steve cohen is just getting absolutely blistered because the mets are a disaster and their payroll this year was somewhere north of 300 350 million dollars but we don't i think pay enough attention to the teams that spend money but spend it efficiently which is exactly what the braves are they spend money, but they spend it efficiently. And that that might be, I haven't dug into it. I probably should have done my research before I went down this line of logic. But like, <laughs> I would love to know like what the cost per win is for the Atlanta Braves because I would be willing to bet it's far and away the best in Major League Baseball.
0: Oh yeah, some of the moves that they have made have not been the splashiest. Like the year that they won the World Series, their big moves were adding Adam Duvall, Marcella Ozuna, I believe. And Mm -hmm. I think there was one other outfielder because that's the year that Ronald Acuna Jr. didn't even play. He was hurt that year and they still won the damn World Series. So I think you're right. Like that's what I look for when teams that I am investing to win the World Series in is the front offices that are not just making the moves for the obvious players, but the players that fit the role for them and that are sometimes on the come up. Because it's similar to betting. Like, you don't want to buy when the stock's, like, extremely high. Like, you don't want to buy in on a team that's already hit their threshold. You want to buy in on a team that's kind of making the climb. I think that's what differentiates the Braves from teams like, I'll pick on the Angels again. They gave Anthony Rendon this huge contract after uh, he won the World Series with the Nats and was incredible. Like, he looked like he was at the top of his – uh game but still he was an older guy and what have they gotten from him barely any games so i think you see the organizations like that those are not teams that i really want to buy into and it's just sad watching the angels now that like oh is just putting on a clinic in a contract year like how do you think the vibes are it's just like well at least we have him for another month
1: <laughs> it's just the age I can't imagine being an Angels fan and having Otani and Trout and just and then and then thinking, well, they're probably gonna trade him at the deadline so they can get something for him. and then they don't. They go all in at the deadline and then they fall off the face of the earth. Like if Christopher Columbus's earth was flat. If Christopher Columbus went sailing with Kyrie Irving, that's what the Angels <laughs> just did. They fell off the edge of the flat earth. They're gone, they've disappeared.
0: How do- people believe in that like i do not get in the year 2023 like are those people trolling us they have to be right
1: they have to be there's no way people really believe that right it's like i i you know what i think (laughs) it is i think it's i think it's like the have you seen the the social media um not theory but the the joke that birds aren't real that they're all oh i've seen that Yeah, yeah And and you'll eventually every once in a while you'll see somebody respond to it like I can't believe you're saying this this is outlandish and then everybody goes it's a joke dummy um, I feel like the flat Earth people are doing that to the rest of us it's a joke guys relax we don't really think that and maybe Kyrie is just so far to the other edge that he's like no I really believe it's flat
0: but that's the thing about guys like Kyrie Irving and Aaron Rodgers like you can't tell if they're trolling us or if they really believe in some of the nonsense that they're saying, and you know, maybe they're just really good actors and they're playing us all. But what a road we've gone down as we've talked about baseball (laughs) and flat earthers and Kyrie Irving, because now we need to get to the rest of the baseball slate on this Thursday here on the daily tip presented by BetMGM. I'm Chelsea messenger. He's Chris Mack filling in for jinx today. So let's get to the Red Sox and the nationals game. We have Boston minus 185, Washington plus 150. Total of nine and a half runs. Chris Sale gets the ball for the Sox. He's 5-2 with a 4-5-2 ERA facing Patrick Corbin, who's 7-11 with a 4 eight, five ERA. Usually the only time I will play the Nationals is on the run line, on the road. They have been red mm. hot this season, but this game is at home, so I can't use that angle here. Uh, usually their offense is a little better than people expect. A team that's right out of the top 10 in batting average over the last month, but you get Patrick Corbin here. And he's facing yeah. Chris Sale. Uh, so I have some some theories here, but it feels like they're pointing in different directions. Like I would lean towards the Red Sox here, but Chris Sale has not been like as dominant as he used to be. Do you have a better feeling on this game?
1: The only thing I'm leaning on in this one is that Sale got seven strikeouts and just four and two thirds in his first start back against Detroit. And that was on only, I think, 58 pitches. So I would imagine maybe they stretch him out just a little bit more, get him up around 70, 75. Maybe he works five full. Maybe, I don't know if he's efficient. Maybe even, he even comes back for the sixth. Um, So his strikeout total right now is at five and a half. That's I think a little low for Chris sale, if he's actually going to go five or more. So I like Chris sale over five and a half strikeouts, even though you do make a good point. The Nats are hitting better over the last month, really since the break, um, so they're, they're, they're a pretty good contact team, one of the lower teams in strikeout rate, but it's Chris Sale, and like I said, he's getting stretched out a little bit more, second start back, so I like his K prop over five and a half.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the low strikeout rate for the Nationals. I think for that reason, I'm not going to buy in on the strikeouts, but I will say this. When you look at the strikeout rates for all of these teams, you've got to remember that there are some outlier pitchers that have yeah. top-end strikeout stuff. Like I'm not gonna look at the league average and say, like, this team's gonna strike out this much against, you know, like guys like Shane McClanahan and Chris Sale and um, you know, Corbin Burns when he has his strikeout stuff. So you bring right. a good point to the table because maybe the line is set a little lower for Chris Sale in this one just because he has not pitched the innings and maybe he's still on a bit of a pitch count here. Uh so I would lean towards the over, but there is the sabotage factor there that the Nationals are a contacts hitting team and they're going to at least put the bat on the ball and not miss too many pitches. But Chris Sale has filthy stuff, so I wouldn't talk off of it. I think I would lean towards maybe the over in this one, these two offenses. But again, if Chris Sale's missing bats, uh, that is your sabotage factor there. I don't really like anything that game. So let's go on to the next game. We've got the Mariners and the Royals. We've got Seattle minus 230. We've got Kansas City plus 190. Total of nine runs. George Kirby goes for the Mariners. He's 10-8 and with a 311 ERA. Angel Zerpa gets the ball for the Royals, who's 1-1 with a 771 ERA. It's very easy to pick on the Royals here, but also the Mariners as minus 230 favorites. I don't know about that.
1: Yeah, I don't know about that. I think I like the total. The total's at nine, I think, right? And mm-hmm. the Royals are have given up. I want to say like nine runs a game over the last week. <laughs> um, they've been absolutely blasted by the Mariners, and the series before that, uh, they gave up a twelve spot to the Cardinals in one game. They just they're they're, they're giving up a ton of runs right now. Uh, so I, is, this is an afternoon game too, isn't it? I want to say it is uh, Kansas City and. Yeah, yeah. This is a two ten start. Mm-hmm. So I imagine we're talking about a hot, steamy day in Kansas City, Kauffman Stadium. We get a little bit of the weather effect, a little bit of the uh, bouncing ball effect. I, I like the over nine, definitely. Uh, I think Seattle may score that many.
0: Yeah, I think you you've got to get creative when playing this game. I think either you take a Seattle team total or you ride George Kirby in some aspects. Mm. But I don't really love playing pitchers off of a complete game because George Kirby went nine innings last time against the Orioles, which is a good thing. Like when you shut down the Orioles' offense, it means you have found something with your game. And he's been really good over his last three. Uh, Seven innings only, one earned run against the Angels to start before that, along with five strikeouts. So George Kirby clearly has found his stuff. Maybe you play an earned runs total, maybe under two and a half for George Kirby. I need to check that. It might be one and a half, but still, I think George Kirby has a good one. Not sure how long he goes, but uh, him to record a win is plus 105. So maybe that is the way to go. If you think the Mariners win and if you think George Kirby can record the win. So that's kind of like a same game parlay. Like It sounds so simple, but it means that the Mariners need to be ahead when George Kirby is in the game and... They need to win the full game. So it's plus 105 for a reason, but I do like it. So I'll go with that. Uh, let's go to the Tigers and the Guardians. Detroit minus 115, Cleveland minus 105. Total of eight and a half here. Tariq Skubal goes for the Tigers. Two and two with a 418 ERA. Facing Xavion Curry, who's three and one with a 339 ERA. Imagine playing Wheel of Fortune with Xavion Curry's name. Like You're like, okay, it has a Z an X and a V. Can you guess this name?
1: That is a great Scrabble. I'm gonna try, I stink at Scrabble, but the next time I play, I'm gonna try Xavion just to see if anybody calls me on it. And if they don't, I mean, I'd have to get the X and the Z, which I guess is like not very likely in Scrabble. This is why I suck at it because I don't even understand the rules. But the point stands anyway, that it would be a really good Scrabble word, Chelsea. Xavion.
0: When's the last time you played Scrabble? Haven't heard that name in years
1: just last week, because my kids wanted to, for some reason, and about halfway through the game, when we had a board full of three and four letter words, we all looked at each other and said, I think we're done with this. I can't stand Scrabble. It just drives me nuts. Cause I don't have the, you have to have patience to play Scrabble. You got to sit there and rearrange the letters and look at the board and, Oh, there's a triple letter score there. oh, I could put a Q here and, I don't have time for it. It's too time consuming. It requires too much patience.
0: I was just gonna say, I feel like our era is not allowing of board games. Like I don't think people's attention spans are long enough for board games anymore. Although I will say, do you remember the era of words with friends? Like that was kind of like Scrabble. Do you remember that? That I was really good at that.
1: I was terrible at it because, but that was different in that, like, you would get a notification and you could sit there for three hours and come up with a word, right? And then Mm -hmm. you get a notification again later that day. That was, Scrabble is, like, sitting there staring at a wall and the paint is drying, and I've also got to come up with a word that's five letters long and uses a K and an L. Like, I'm sorry, I'm out, I can't do it
0: i'm like that on most board games like monopoly i don't want to set up all those little houses they always fall over and like i don't want to count money
1: you know I'm what's not a good banker. game of life the game of life has like a finite uh, finite uh, amount of time you can spend on it it's usually like a half hour if you're playing with kids and you keep it moving game of life is quality i'll say that's that's one of the board games that i still like
0: Oh, well, I don't like any board games. I will make a stand against board games because they make me bored. Maybe it's built into the name. Uh, That is your
1: competitiveness. That is your competitive (gasps) nature coming through because I can guarantee you're one of those people that if you start losing and it becomes evident that you are going to lose the board game, you either just get up and walk away and say, screw this game, I hate it, it's stupid and dumb, or you flip the board over or something like that.
0: That's why I don't do bowling. Like, I hate bowling because it's like somebody's girlfriend that goes up there and they're like, hee, 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 and they do it grandma style. Yeah. And they get a strike and they're like, oh, whatever. I'm like, God, I just palm this ball for nothing, for a spare. So do not ask me to go bowling. Do not ask me to wear those dumb shoes that don't match my outfit. I hate bowling. Okay. You oh, we were supposed to have that? a play
1: for the Tigers and Guardians, weren't we?
0: Yeah, I don't like that game. Do you have a play? I I do have one bonus play for for the listeners out there before we go. Before we get to break, I'm going to go Jose Quintana under four and a half strikeouts. He is facing a team that has not been striking out much lately. That is the St. Louis Cardinals. Their offense has also come alive. Jose Quintana is not a strikeout pitcher. Did not hit this last time around. So I will hit the under four and a half strikeouts for Jose Quintana and i will continue hating on bowling as well cuz it sucks and, and the shoes games. are ugly. Exactly. Those are on our hate <laughs> list for the day. For more, listen to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BeckQL network, the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.